Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I'm going to continue my conversation with Sandy today. So if you did not listen to last week's episode, please listen to that first and then join us here. Before we get started, if this podcast is helpful to you, will you please rate it on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps? Every single five-star rating with a review helps isolated women find us. Here is a five-star review we just received. She said, this saved me. I cannot thank you enough. On a whim, I listened to the very first episode after reluctantly doing so because I thought the title didn't fit my situation very well. But after listening to her first episode, I was introduced to the author, Lundy Bancroft, and realized that most of our marital struggles we have been having for 13 years was because he has an abusive mindset. I told my husband this, and of course he disagreed, but over some time he came around and realized he does have an abusive mindset and is completely changing himself for the better every day. All of this because I listened to your very first episode. Your episodes have been so helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. It is changing my life for the better. A thank you to those of you who have given it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps. Thank you so much. If you haven't already and you're so inclined, please pause the podcast, take a minute to give us a review. Like I said, it really helps other women find this podcast. Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group is going strong. It is a live group with our specially trained Betrayal Trauma Recovery Coaches. They're the most amazing coaches. They get it right away. When you join Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, you get unlimited live sessions with multiple sessions a day in every single time zone. You can join these sessions from your closet. (laughs) You can join them anywhere. We created it for you so that you can get help right when you need it. You don't have to wait for an appointment. You don't have to schedule anything. You can just hop right on. Many women who go to Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group find that they also really want to process their situation in depth with a coach. So we also have individual sessions. So go to our website, btr.org to learn more. All right, we're going to jump right in with the continuation of the conversation we had from last week with Sandy, a member of our community. Did any of the therapists that work with you or him say that he's an abuser, that you're in an abusive relationship? Did anybody say that to you? No, they didn't. At one point, I was reading a book that had to do with sex addiction, and it was talking about abuse. And I was like, I feel like he abused me. I'm pretty sure he has. And it was sort of my investigation. Although when my mom asked about what's going on with you guys, I said, well, he's been sexually abusing me. I did use those words before, but it was almost like I had to keep convincing myself that this was abuse because he wasn't hitting me. It wasn't all the things that you normally see or hear about. And I remember looking up is non-consensual pornography abuse? Is rape abuse? I mean, it's like, okay, yes, of course, these things are. <laughs> I shouldn't have to be Googling this. You found that it was? Is that when you found BTR? I found BTR through a friend who was from a different support group. When you got here to BTR, were you like, oh, this makes sense? Because a lot of people, they'll Google that stuff and they won't find anything. And then when they find us, they're like, oh, finally, somebody gets it. Or did you find some other places that you felt like understood? I think 
when I was Googling things, I was really just strictly looking for definitions, like definition of rape, definition of non-consensual pornography, voyeurism. These are crimes. These are things you go to jail for. Like, it seems pretty obvious that that's abuse. But for whatever reason, it gave me some sort of comfort to have the correct terms, correct definitions to put with all of this, to have the right labels. Yeah. He's going to a therapist. You go to the therapist and you're like, whoa, therapy's not going to work because he's not really talking about anything. And part of that, during this time, nobody is saying to you, you're in an abusive relationship. This man is abusive. So you've also got that going on where you're kind of recognizing the abuse, but nobody's saying you're in an abusive relationship directly. Right. Yeah. So he moved out. He continued to see his therapist. I continued to see mine. It was interesting because he admitted to me at that point that his therapeutic goals were just to be a better husband, whereas my therapeutic goal was to heal from trauma. And if you even just looking at that, I mean, we are not going down the same path. His therapeutic goal was not to not be a rapist. Right. (laughs) His therapeutic goal was, I want to stop raping my wife and I want to stop being abusive. That is not his therapeutic goal. By the way, that is why we recommend Center for Peace as the only place if your husband's going to go anywhere. Because at Center for Peace, Coach Joy talks with the victim once a week to make sure the things that he is saying are true and make sure she's getting the whole story. Because if they don't tell the truth, how would you know? And then you have to base your confrontation of the abuse based on what the victim says, not on what the perpetrator says, because they never tell the truth. So this is happening. His goal is just to be a better husband. So you're recognizing, wait a minute, there's some serious stuff wrong here. Right. I feel like even after he moved out, I was always trying to sort of relay like the seriousness of the situation. And he never quite got that. And even when I pointed out, this is sex addiction, you need to see somebody who maybe specializes in that. He just said, well, there's nobody in our area. I'll just get some books and I'll read up on it. Did you ever confront him and say you're abusive at that time? I I didn't. So essentially after a year of trying to convince him that he needs to work through these big issues, that he needed to essentially be able to protect me from himself is what needed to happen, which he never understood I don't, I don't even know if he still, like, understands that. That's when I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. It just felt like every time I turned around, he was doing the bare minimum to stay in the relationship. He'd be like, well, look, I'm in therapy. I'm doing good. How many other guys would go to therapy? This kind of thing. And I couldn't do it anymore. It just felt like playing this game. I just was done. I can't describe it any other way. That makes sense. When you decided you were done, did you file? What happened at that point? It took me a while to file just because I think I wanted to make sure for whatever reason. 
I could tell he was getting really desperate and he didn't know what to do. He did find a CSTAT at that point who wanted to talk to me, of course, and are very much like, well, we usually work together. And I was like, well, my therapist says no. <laughs> and one of the comments I should share. This is an example of how serious or not serious he took the CSTAT even. So I guess when they first enter in, the CSTAT tells them no sex, no masturbation for 90 days because you need to completely reset your system. And he comes to me, he's like, can you believe I have to go three months without sex or masturbation and it's swimsuit season. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> but the other thing we need to talk about is that you went to a CSAT and the CSAT didn't tell you this is an abuse situation. No, I mean, I never really saw the CSAT. I mean, I met with her once for like 10 minutes. Well, but... They're not looking at this like this is an abuse situation. They're looking at this like this is a sex addict, not that this is an abuser. Right. No, they don't. They don't look at it as abuse. Right. And so that is super dangerous for victims as well, because even if they're going and they're maybe making good progress, if they're not addressing the abusiveness, then we've got a problem on our hands. Because what this really is, is emotional and psychological abuse and sexual abuse. I'm going to take a break for just a second to talk about Trauma Mama Husband Drama, which is my picture book for adults. This book is perfect to give to family, friends, clergy, whoever, so that they can really understand what you're going through. It helps reframe pornography addiction as an abuse issue. Please go to btr.org backslash books, click on Trauma Mama Husband Drama, It'll take you right to Amazon. And then after you receive your copy, please go back to Amazon and give Trauma Mama Husband Drama a five-star review. Every single review helps women who are isolated find us. So many women are searching for books on Amazon, and it's great when they find this one because then they also find the podcast and all the resources that we have available. Okay, now back to our conversation. So he's going to the CSAT. He seemed like he was committed to it I guess is the best word but I thought well if he wants to get healthy on his own that's great but I can't stay in this relationship I just knew it so we decided to do mediation instead of hire lawyers for our divorce which worked well um, thankfully he was cooperative about it all I think that he was Seeing the CSTAT and doing the SAA recovery, you know, 12-step program for a while, actually. And I thought, that's really good. I'm glad for him. I hope that he can figure this out. At some point, I think I just realized, too, that I just could never trust him again. You know, whether he was doing the recovery or not, I just wasn't going to be able to do that. So, I mean, essentially, I just had to let him go because I mean, you can't have an intimate partner relationship with somebody that you can't trust. Well, fast forward and like I find out he has a girlfriend. 
And I'm like, of course he is, because I don't think he's in recovery anymore. He must have given up on it a while back. And, of course, we're not married anymore. It's none of my business at this point what he does. Except that, you know, we have three kids together, and I want to make sure that they're safe. And I don't want them to be raised thinking that the way he treats women is okay. So that that's my main concern at this point. Well, I think it's validating to see that their behaviors haven't changed. That the fake recovery, we'll call it, was perhaps just a grooming phase where they thought, oh, I can show that I'm a good person or I can quote unquote prove I'm a good person. But it wasn't an in-depth change. Because an in-depth change would be him saying, I realize that I raped you. I recognize that I put up porn. You know, he would recognize the extent of the damage that he did, which he does not. So your current boundaries are awesome that you hold those boundaries. So now that you're divorced and you're recognizing that he's still abusive and he still exhibits abusive behaviors... How has your healing gone? What have you found that has been helpful for your ongoing healing? I've done a number of things. And one of them is creating sculptures that depict women either struggling or holding some emotion. (laughs) Basically, what I ended up doing is because I'm a ceramic artist, sculptor, I just ended up pouring my emotion into these clay women because it was almost like I couldn't handle it myself. And so I just decided to make it out of clay. And so these women are attached to vessels that I throw on the wheel and then they are engaging with them somehow, you know, either climbing on them or pulling them together or looking inside them. It was very freeing to be able to to do that. To process your trauma through art? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Due to confidentiality reasons, we're not going to show you her art, but it is incredible. What an amazing way to process. I gardened a lot. Some women exercise a lot. I mean, there's so many different ways to process the trauma. And I would encourage listeners to go to our website, Find this episode and write down some of the different ways that you processed it. Like maybe you started painting your house or remodeling your house or some different way because talking about it is super helpful, but it's also good to start just moving it out through movement, art, through other ways. So we'd love to hear how you've been processing the trauma on our website. That's btr.org. If you could go back and share anything with yourself before you got married like any bits of wisdom that may have helped you in beginning this journey with an abusive man what would you say to yourself I probably would say don't be afraid to to have confrontation and hard discussions and if he is not willing to have those or be serious in conversation then it's time to see a therapist. Because now, looking back, 
there were many times when I would go to him and I would think that he was hearing me or listening to me. And, you know, he just was always like, okay, that's fine. I'll do better. And he so avoided confrontation. Basically, I want to say is like, if you are not actually having disagreements and sort of, I mean, I don't want to say like fights, but I mean, essentially fights. <laughs> if you are just sort of like coasting along in your marriage, it's actually, it's not good. That's my opinion. If nobody sticks up for anything that they believe in um, uh, on either end, that's what I would say. And it doesn't mean, like, uh, you know, a fight or a disagreement doesn't have to be, like, anything abusive. It's just that. It's just a disagreement. And everybody has them. And it will show a lot of, of the health of the relationship if you can have those talks and discussions and disagreements without abuse, you know, in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. For those of us who got in a lot of fights, like me, I would say disagreements make sense, but not in the way that we were disagreeing because it was just abuse. And you're talking about a man who you thought agreed with you, but was really always just placating you or grooming you. Yeah, I am so sorry about your experience and so glad that you're more safe now. Do you limit contact a lot even though you share custody yes I mean really if it doesn't have to do with the kids I pretty much just don't talk to him there's just no reason to at this point well thank you so much for being so brave and for sharing your story today I think it's so important to share these stories because so many women go through them I've had quite a few women tell me that they've had their husband's take pictures of them without their consent and post it for porn so I wouldn't say it's like the most common thing in the world like a cold I mean maybe it is I don't know but it's also not rare and I think people would be surprised to know I think porn users would be surprised to know that some of the porn that they're viewing is of a wife who has no idea yeah it's very possible and that reason alone is a reason to boycott porn thank you so much for sharing today Thank you. I would love to hear what you think about all of our podcast episodes. So go to our website, btr.org, find the podcast. Each podcast has an article associated with it and the full transcription. At the bottom of each of those articles and transcription is a section for comments. We love to hear your stories, what you think, what worked for you. So please go to btr.org and join the conversation. Similarly, if the website and all these free resources that we provide are helpful to you and have helped you come out of the chaos and the pain, I'm sure you want to help other women do that. And so we really appreciate your support. So if you're interested in supporting the podcast, go to btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.